Hi, and welcome to a special edition of Promo Insiders, an ASI media podcast covering the topics that matter most to the promotional products industry. I'm Digital Content Director Vinny Driscoll, and today I'm joined by Chris Ruvo, Digital News Director for ASI Media, to discuss possibly the biggest news story in our industry right now, the supply chain and the Q4 crunch. What's the current status, and what can distributors do to navigate the choppy waters and headwinds? Find out right now. I just want to say hello to everyone and welcome to today's promo space. Uh, I'm your host, Benny Driscoll, I'm the Digital Content Director at ASI, and I'm thrilled to share the mic today with Chris Ruvo, ASI's Digital News Director, as we discuss possibly the biggest news story in our industry right now, the supply chain and what's in store for uh, for quarter four. So, Chris, welcome to the promo space. Yeah, Ben, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So before we get started, um, I encourage anyone who has a comment or question or wants to join the conversation, just hold it until the end. Chris, Chris and I will be speaking for about 30 minutes. Um, and if you want to, I'll let you know when we're done or we're close to being done. Uh, then I'll open it up. You guys can request the mic if you've never been in a Twitter space. It's in the bottom left hand corner of your smartphone. You have to be on the app. You cannot do it through desktop. Um, you can only listen through desktop. So if you want to you know, jump in and join the conversation. Um, you know, we'll let you know when to request a mic and you can uh, jump up on stage. All right, Chris, let's start this space. Um, so again, you know, you're, you're ASI's, you know, digital news uh, director. Um, you're also the resident supply chain expert here at ASI. You've written extensively about, about the supply chain and you really, you know, you've got your finger on the pulse of what's going on. Can you give us a basic overview of the situation? All right. Um, well, as we head into to Q4, um, I think this is not going to come as a surprise to most of the people on here because they're dealing with it on a daily basis. But, you know, the, the supply, the global supply chain is 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 a mess. And that's a it's all rooted in um, COVID-19 disruption. Um, if you want to go back far enough. Right. Um, we There was societal lockdowns in, in 2020 that put a. Um, a major clamp, if you will, a kind of like plug the drain of, um, of, of importing into the United States. And that had major ramifications throughout the whole global supply chain. And then when those uh, lockdowns ended and society started to bounce back, there was just a massive clamor for, um, for products of all kinds, not just our industry, of course, but products across industry. And the global supply chain uh, just has not been able to, to, to catch up as that demand um, remains rampant, uh, that's had um, kind of a knock-on effect um, down to our industry and, and, and other industries. Um, you want me to keep rambling, Vin, or <laughs> I can keep going? Yeah, so, so yeah. Chris, you're, so you're suggesting that this all kind of started right when COVID started, correct? Like, it's sort of reverberated, and it's been going, this, this whole supply chain disruption, and it's it's been going on for, for 19 months, correct? Even longer, yeah. probably. Yeah, like um, the, it started as an issue in China, right? When, before COVID had, had, was kind of a major factor in North America, there were shutdowns in China um, in early 2020. That kind of gummed up the works, if you will, on um, you know, factory activity over there. That had an effect on our industry. But then when COVID um, uh, came over here, it, as I said, it, it resulted in those um, societal shutdowns, which choked off uh, importing in our country. Then when things opened up, importing just roared back to life. And um, everything from 
you know, overseas factories to uh, to uh, the people who are shipping the ships that are bringing the ocean, uh, the, the products that are made overseas to North America. There's just not enough capacity in those channels to handle um, the, the demand. And that's resulting in a variety of repercussions on our industry. Right. So the most noticeable one that everybody's been dealing with is um, is inventory shortages. Um, but then there's related issues that are also outgrowths of um of COVID as well, right? So labor shortages are another one that affects production times in our industry and uh, customer service. Um, you know, that's to name a few. That, now there's, of course, with the, the pandemic drove a huge increase in e-commerce spending, right? Um, uh, throughout the economy, that's placed massive pressure on um, freight carrier, domestic freight carriers like FedEx and UPS, et cetera. So that's um, impacting uh, delivery times across industries, including ours. So when you kind of add up all those factors, it's, um, it's made it a really challenging time to do business in the promotional products industry. But, but those challenges, I don't, I don't think are insurmountable either. And uh, one thing, I, positive thing I definitely want to emphasize through this is that demand for promotional products is really high going into the fourth quarter, which is, which is a good thing. We don't, from what we've seen in our reporting and our data, um, there has not been a, a noticeable decline as a result of the, the Delta variant surge, if you will, in demand for promotional products. So that bode well, bodes well for the fourth quarter. Right. And I think, you know, everyone's like excited that things are opening up, things are somewhat back to normal orders are coming in but we have this issue of inventory shortfalls so let me talk about one bottleneck area which is the port situation can you can you give us a, in, like a, a little bit of a background and what's going on at um, la um, long beach and why there's such a backup over there sure um so just for those who aren't familiar um la and long Be la slash long beach are, are twin ports and they're basically the, the primary conduit through which, um, you know, ocean-bound freight enters the United States. And that ocean-bound freight, of course, is carrying products that are made overseas, primarily China, and bringing them into the U.S. And um, a lot of promo products come in through there, too. But because of um, that, that huge demand to import product that, that I was talking about before, um, it's, it's caused a, a huge inflow of, of, of ships. And there's just not enough um, labor and space and capacity at that port for them to efficiently process all the ships. So what that's resulted in is a lot of ships waiting at anchor um, off, the, off the coast of Southern California, waiting to get in there to um, basically deposit their goods. So those goods could then be delivered to companies like promotional product suppliers. Obviously, when you're waiting at anchor um, to deliver your goods, those goods aren't getting delivered um, to the uh, to their to their end recipient. So that's um, contributing to these um, these delays in replenishing inventory in a timely fashion. Um, there's delays at other ports too. Um, it's not just the, that's the biggest one. It's the most recognizable one. Um, but you know, there is I think so. I, I want to say twenty to thirty ships sitting off the, the coast of uh, Georgia at the port of Savannah. New York has had backups here and there. There was backups in, um, you know, the ports in the Pacific Northwest. So it's happening across uh, the country. And um, at L.A. Long Beach, you know, prior to the pandemic, it was rare to even have like one ship sitting at anchor. 
now there's been you know times where they've had as many and this is in recent weeks recent days even as many as 70 ships sitting right. at anchor so it's um that's you know you do the math that's a pretty massive uh increase which is a record i think i i, I don't it think is it's it's like... re- yes it was record it was 73 which was it was 73 ships which is about a week ago was um the record there might have even been more but that was the the last i had checked it so I'm going to ask the obvious question. Why can't they redirect some of these cargo ships north? Um, you know, it's, it seems like from what I've read, they're working 24-7 at these docks, and there's still this, this log jam so of ships. The most, the most basic answer is just that unless you've seen um, the ports of L.A. and Long Beach, I don't think you could get a sense of just how huge they are and, and how much happens there. And to even move along... A relatively small amounts of um, the inflow that they get there to other ports, it would quickly overwhelm those other ports too, plus the the supporting infrastructure. So when stuff gets deposited at port, right, um, it needs to then be uh, railed, uh, taken by rail or by truck to its other destination. And, the, and those supporting infrastructures that support those other ports aren't near as extensive as what supports um, LA and Long Beach. And that's because all those the rail lines and truck lines, et cetera, all those d- delivery, um, all that delivery infrastructure, if you will, has been built up um, to service that LA, LA and Long Beach ports over the course of the last few decades. So in, in short, you would just run into bottlenecks elsewhere. So are they moving some along? Yeah, of course. Um, are importers trying to be smart and, and, and move goods through different ports if they can? Sure, but, it, but, it's, but it's still not going to enable you the level of efficiency that you had before the pandemic. Does that make sense? Definitely. Um, you know, the infrastructure I think is, is, is key. You know, you're talking about railways and, and, you know, the, um, the trucks and, and being able to kind of really get all that stuff logistically set up in a way that LA and Long Beach have. And I don't think from what you're saying, there is no port that does the amount of volume um, and is as good as these two so redirecting those ships wouldn't make any sense i guess yeah like redirect redirecting on mass which is what you would really need to do to to make it like to make an appreciable difference and to really hasten things is not is not going to work and i'm i'm trying to find this i can't find the stat but i want to say it's something like 40 percent of all the ocean bound you know imported cargo that enters the United States comes through LA and Long Beach. So think about that for a second. That's pretty amazing. Um, yeah. That is huge. And I was going to ask you about redirecting to the East Coast, but again, that pro- you probably answered the question as well. There's probably no other ports that have the capacity that those two ports so, have. So, like New York is a big is obviously big too. I mean, it's New York. It's huge, but it's it's not at the level of um, LA Long Beach, and I and I, and it's more expensive. So, like. It most most of you know, particularly for the promotional products industry, our manufacturing hub is is China and then certain other countries in primarily Southeast Asia. So um, so it's it's less expensive to import or to move cargo from there to California than it is to New York, just because of the the distances. It also just because of those distances takes longer to move cargo, um, generally speaking, from from you know China, Southeast Asia to New York than it does to to LA. So the, yeah, earlier in the pandemic, a, a lot of importers were saying, "Okay, LA's LA's kind of a problem. 
let's move some stuff through New York. It'll, it'll still get here a little faster. But that tactic is now being kind of widely used. So it's created, as I said, like bottlenecks elsewhere as well. Right. So so let's talk about labor, too. Now, that, I mean, I think there's a lot of factors at play here. Are, are they noticing that there's a shortage of labor throughout the supply chain, even at the ports, you know, in shipping? Is, is that also factoring into this? Yeah, I, and I, I think that's happening everywhere from from your overseas factories for various reasons, which could include, you know, uh, COVID outbreaks or just fear of COVID. People don't want to go to work because they're worried about about getting it. Um, uh, so it starts there and then it runs right over here to, um, to to the U.S. There was, as we all know, there was massive, massive, massive layoffs, right, when when, when COVID shutdowns hit and people who were entrenched in certain industries or certain jobs um, were laid off and then they, they, they left work um, or they were made to leave work. And um, some have gone back to work in different industries or some don't want to go back to work yet for, for various reasons. Um, I don't want to get overly political on that, but there's, but there's reasons for their, why people are not participating in the workforce at the rate that they formerly were. And um, that's all contributing to labor shortages domestically. So when you factor in labor shortage, labor issues abroad, with labor issues, um, you know, uh, domestically, it's just there's not enough hands to pr- to to produce at the level that that's 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 needed to to keep things the to accommodate. I guess I should say this this massive uh, demand for moving products from Asia to here efficiently. Right. So it sounds like a perfect storm of, you know, things coming up right now. Um, you know, and we you've written about the cost of a container from China pre-pandemic was $1,900 for a container. Now it's like, what is it? Almost $20,000? It's insane the the amount of money that it it now costs for a container. So now we have rising prices. This is one of them. We have, you know, ships that are anchored at ports, you know, creating a bullwhip effect, you know, you know, back through the supply chain. So, you know, there's there's also other issues like you know raw materials exchange rates reduced china factory production um you know can you go into some of some of that to it because it sounds like there's there's even more at play here yeah um i think you, that term perfect storm is a good one i think i've, I've used it myself because it, it it really just it's almost it's almost uncanny the amount of things that are coming together and conspiring it seems to to make it difficult to move products. And I, you, you mentioned, um, Chinese manufacturing activity. That's really like the latest big, like, Oh my gosh, what's going on? Because, um, data just came out yesterday that, uh, Chinese manufacturing, um, on the whole contracted in, in September and, and Chinese manufacturing just, just doesn't contract. You know, <laughs> they've been on a growth trend for how long the last time it contracted, was in February 2020, which was, of course, a result of the um, the COVID shutdowns. But it it did contract again in September, and um, you know that has obvious implications for our industry because we the vast majority of the products that we sell here in North America are produced in China. So um, if factories are slowing down over there, it means it's gonna it has the potential for it to take even longer for goods to get from from you know made number one and then um, you know brought brought to these shores uh, a big reason for that um, or one of the big reasons i should say for that for that contraction in china was they've been having what amounts to enforced 
um, brownouts. Um, there, China has been rationing electricity uh, for a variety of reasons. One of them is they're, they're trying to meet certain emission standards. Um, and as a result, manufacturers have, um, uh, haven't been able to use uh, the, electric the electricity they need to run their operations. And as a result, um, without going into all the complications, it's triggered a rise in uh, the price of coal. And um, China is still, for the most part, a coal-powered economy. And um, a lot of factories, or smaller factories, I say a lot, I should say certain smaller factories don't want to pay those heightened coal prices because it's, it costs so much for them to do that. They, um, they would rather temporarily shut down and wait for the, um, in the coal prices to kind of level a bit before they start product productivity again. So all those factors kind of played into to China's contraction. And why do we care, of course? Because it, it, it impacts our industry. If you can't get stuff made, you can't sell stuff here, right? Absolutely. So we've talked about what's going on. Uh, and look, people in this industry, they know what's going on. They understand the factors at play. Um, you just wrote an article yesterday or the day before that you know kind of really broke down everything and gave some helpful tips on how you know, people in our industry can really navigate these choppy waters. Um, so can you give us some of the tips that you, that you supplied and some of the supplier sentiment in the article? You know, I read it and it, you know, it, it wasn't as doom and gloom as I expected it to be. I, you know, I thought there was some pretty optimistic um, uh, quotes from, from leading suppliers in this industry. And, it, you know, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so the article you're referencing is on, um, I'll give the shameless plug. It's on uh, asicentral.com uh, backslash news. I have it on my Twitter and my LinkedIn too, if you want to check it out. It's called What's in Store for Promo in um, Q4. And it just has a breakdown of what you can expect um, when it comes to things like inventory levels, production and delivery times, and, um, and customer service. And uh Vin, as you say, I, it, it, like, yes, like we talk about all these challenges because you want to focus on the problem and understand them, of course. But there is there there is optimism like like, yes, is there going to be challenges? A absolutely. But are they navigable? I, I, I think they are. And that's that's that seems to be the word from um, from top suppliers. But, you know, you do have to be more um, flexible and I guess dexterous <laughs> might be the word if you're uh, um, if you're a distributor. And, um, you know, I think uh, as far as inventory goes a lot of the, a lot of the top suppliers are saying yes supply is is going to be tight you know especially in in certain categories but they also have um and i'm talking about certain larger ones now they have really ramped up their inventory levels to the ex extent possible and um, have tried to provide um i guess um to the extent that they can like healthy alternative stock um to some of the the, the, the top ones that might go quicker they've really deepened their SKUs in their most popular selling categories. So what they're saying is we've done a lot to try to really beef things up. Um, but with that said, there's still going to be issues with inventory just because of, of, of rampant demand. So um, by now, everybody probably knows this kind of the huge takeaway is if you're a distributor, you want to get that, you want to educate your client about these things um, and the need to order early. And then you want to get, um, uh, you know, full, complete POs to your suppliers um, as early as possible so they can get cranking on those orders and get them out to you. Because even after they, you know, finish, uh, you know, producing for you, somebody still has to deliver it. 
UPS and FedEx are going to be facing a crunch too. So just the, the, the theme is kind of the earlier, the better you get, uh, you have a better chance of getting that product that you want at the time you want it. Right. And I, and I think there, are, there are people in this space right now who have been doing that. Um, you know, we mentioned Javi, you know, he's been doing it in the summertime, um, you know, and he's encouraging you know, clients to, to do exactly what you say, you know, order early, you know, that's, mm-hmm. That's how you're going to have your choice of, you know, colors. You can have your, your, you know, there's going to be more variety for you and it's going to be a lot better than if you order in November and, mm-hmm. you know, supply is low, um, you know, something is, is out of color or there's no supply at all. You know, I, you know, I think there's going to be a big risk going into the last couple months of 2021 that there's just going to be no you know inventory there for you for what you need um, i wouldn't say no like just like just to play devil's out, i wouldn't say no inventory i mean there's going to be there's going to be stuff it's it's just that is it going to be your first choice and at the quantity and color you want you're running a lot greater risk at that point you know um you know if you're placing orders uh, i mean if you're placing orders in, in early in early d- december I, I already think you're you're really running starting to run up against it just based on what some some suppliers have, have told me. Right. So what about customer service? You have some uh, tips in the article too, you know, regarding customer service. Yeah. So, I, so if you, if anybody's been on, um, you know, the industry uh, uh, social forums, there's a lot of frustration, understandably so about, you know, get, getting in touch, uh, you know, getting quote, good customer service from suppliers, but you have to understand, um, that you know they're, they're dealing with they're not trying to not service their distributors you know um it's just they're dealing with um a, a lot of factors number one right there's labor shortages everywhere still and that's impacting a lot of suppliers on their customer service teams um even even suppliers that have had a lot of success hiring and building up their customer service teams those teams are getting a lot more i don't know what the word would be uh, work for lack of a better uh term because of all the supply chain upheaval they're spending, you know, they're getting more calls, they're getting more inquiries from distributors, and they're having to spend more time on each of those calls to kind of, you know, research alternative products or, you know, look into issues related to back orders, things, th- things of that, that nature that are just kind of grinding the gears of, 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 of a smooth customer service process. So that's led to a lot of frustration, um, understandably, in the industry. But as I say, they, uh, those suppliers, for the most part, are trying to to, to ramp up their customer service teams. They've done that with hiring and training. And um, I can't say that this applies to everybody, but there's definitely ones who have um, put a lot of, they've either launched or um, enhanced digital resources that they might have on their website. So there's suppliers that have, you know, things like you can, you can check inventory on their site and get like real time data. You can, you know, place orders through their site, track shipments. You could find answers to basic questions, the article kind of details all this. So if you could utilize those resources first before going right to that customer service person, it, it could kind of just help the, the general flow of, of service within the industry. So I think that's that's maybe one big tactic that, that distributors could use. Um, just to call out one supplier, um, I know PCNA just did a, um, or, or recently has launched like, uh, like a chat, uh, like a chat service, uh, service chat, like on their website, which, so there's, that's another feature that can help you. And they feel like they can handle more customers at once through that service. Is it ideal? Probably not, but does it, but is it another 
way that you can maybe get the information you want efficiently? Yes, it, it is. Yeah, Chris, um, you know, this seems to be a, a pretty hot topic also in some of the, the Facebook groups uh, is the customer service. And, and I think, you know, some people are, are quick to point out, oh, you know, the customer service here sucks. But I, I think under the circumstances, we all have to understand what, you know, these suppliers are going through. Um, and, you know, you talk about the labor shortage, uh, you know, it, everybody wants inventory, they want product, they, they want to get their hands on stuff the way they're used to getting it. And, you know, they're waiting on a phone call for an hour, it, you know, frustrations boil over and it, it kind of the ripple effect, you know, you see it on social and, media. And that's not though to diminish, of course, you know, what distributors, I mean, we have like distributors are, are you know, they're, they're getting roared at by their clients. Sure. They're, they're trying to serve as, you know, so they're, they're under, so you distribute, I completely understand and empathize with the, with the position that distributors are in as they're trying to get answers. It's just, I, maybe what I'm trying to do with, with what I shared was just say that, you know, I don't think that this is like negligence on the part of suppliers or, or that like, you know, sometimes people think, oh, they didn't want to re they didn't want to hire back their customer service people because, you know, they're worried about, you know, profit levels at, uh, you know, following the pandemic lows and stuff like that. Might that apply in some cases? Yeah, maybe. But I, it seems like certainly the more reputable suppliers that people tend to turn to are, are trying to do everything that they can to get um to get you know the proper service in place and the proper inventory um in place yeah chris i think it's also very important to to understand that we're all living through an unprecedented time you know we're we're 19 months or 20 months into this and you know each day is something new you know it's it's we're you know we haven't lived through a pandemic in 100 years so nobody alive then you know is 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 probably not alive today uh, you know and the situation is just, you know, pretty crazy as it pertains to business and the way business is being done and the disruption. So, you know, I think we just have to kind of step outside of ourselves and just take a, you know, take a deep breath and say, hey, you know, you got to understand what's going on here. So, um, Chris, I got probably one or two more questions for you, but now I open, you know, I'll, you know, give everyone the chance to hit the uh, request Mike if you want to uh, speak um, and you know let me know and I'll get you up on stage if you if you have a question or comment you want to ask Chris um, so Chris um, how long will production and delivery take you also touched upon this in your article yeah I, I like I, I wish there was a blanket answer it, it the, the, the short answer is it is going to vary depending on you know product type decoration method and the particular supplier that you're working with now I know that that's kind of a a cop out answer, but it really is the it really is the most honest answer. That that said, there are suppliers um, who are running um, who, who have their production times as as efficient or just about there as what they were prior to the pandemic. Um, so there's certain large suppliers that say, "Hey, for your average you know, your average size order for average size product, you know, we're still three to five days, and we can we can get that out." Um, I will will tell you, there's also other suppliers. Who's, who prior to the pandemic were maybe three to five days for production time, they're now in the range of 10 to 15 days. So the, so the, big, the big takeaway is that, um, you know, if, if you're a distributor, you have to really nail down what you're going, you know, the specific product, don't, don't rely on generalizations, but really nail down with the specific supplier that you're working with 
what the time is is going to take to the extent possible. Now that may sound like rudimentary advice, but it, it really is the reality of what you of what you have to do because there isn't like, hey, I could go to this supplier or that supplier and it's going to take you know four to five days or whatever it, it might be. It, it does vary depending on the supplier's particular situation and on um, you know the type of product that that you're offering. The general rule of thumb, part of me, is that it's going going to take longer. To, um, to get your orders produced. So again, going back to that theme we've been harping on all along, you know, order early. All right, Chris, so final advice um, for quarter four? I'd say just like, it <laughs> sounds trite, but like keep keep chopping. Like the, the, business, the business is out there. Um, the demand is out there, which is a good thing, which amid all this like upheaval and madness, I think we have to keep in mind that, that you know, there is demand and strong demand for, for promotional products. And that, and that even though interest in PPE has ticked up again in our interest industry, it's not the main driver of growth. It's our, 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 our core products, our core business or what, or what people are interested in again. So that's, that's a really positive, good thing heading into the, uh, you know, the gifting quarter. And I, I think given the insanity of the last 18 months or so, and that's continued through 2021 and given all the problems with, um, hiring and retention that you're going to have a lot of clients very eager to um show their employees and and that they value them and 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 people um you know eager to show their clients or that they value them so there's going to be a lot of demand for promo it's just going to be a matter of having to do more diligence and and probably a lot more late nights to, to be able to meet that demand given the supply chain um you know, upheaval that we're facing, but it is, but it is doable. I think if you're a distributor and you, you have a good, you have, you know, you've, you've built some strong relationships with your suppliers. Um, you, you should be able to collaborate and, and, and get through it. Uh, just remain flexible. And, um, and, and again, I'll say it one last time, just, just get those orders in as early as possible. Excellent, Chris. Thank you so much. Again, I invite you, if you have a comment or question for Chris, um, you know, now's the time to request a mic. Uh, we have a couple uh, people who are already up here. Javi, how's it going, my man? Hey, man. Hey, Chris. Uh, Chris, I DM'd you an article with the link. The f number you were looking for is 40% of the uh, imports coming through. All right, good. I was right then. Good. I was right then. Thank you. Yeah, so a um, couple things just for because you have a mix of industry in here, and I know you guys mentioned like that TikTok, like that was so annoying when I got what inventory shortage uh, response. But you know, a couple things. One, obviously, people who are on this call in our industry, and you know, a few out, um, I would say are pretty thought pretty much thought leaders, people who understand or are keeping up uh, with what's going on and such. But you have a lot of people in our industry who are not, and that's a disservice to the industry because what's happening is you have a lot of people who pride themselves on, I get you a response in five minutes. But the problem is with that now is there's a log jam, and so you can't provide the five-minute answer. You're panicking about the five-minute answer, and that's turning into frustrated customers, and that's turning into customers just dissatisfied in general. The other aspect is this is uh, a problem with the Amazon era, um, which I gladly grew up in. Um, you know, oh, it only takes a few days to get things done. So now uh, I'll give you a perfect example. I had a client... I reached out to all, a lot of my clients and said, anything you normally reorder during the fall, let's order now. One of them said, no, we're good. And then they came back to me yesterday for they, they need some more wine glasses. 
they're backwater till February 2022. We place the backwater because they're going to need them eventually, but that's how far out it is. And they're like, well, why didn't you tell us? I did. I told you er order early. You didn't. And so you have those conversations and you have to play tough cop as well. Um, I think people who are being ahead of it and giving advice and being the thought leaders that we try to portray ourselves, being true professionals, uh, are the ones who are going to have successful fourth quarters and the ones who, uh, let me get you what I can get you, instead of having those conversations ahead of time, are going to be the ones that suffer and complain and yell the most. The uh, last thing I'll say with regard to you know the inventory and the and the the shortages is uh, Chris actually here's maybe a story for you. I would look at what how much innovation is happening in the U.S. I know Samar is going to be launching a uh, Made in America line. I know there's a couple other Made in America lines that are starting to pop up. There's a ton of infrastructure and manufacturing capability being ramped up in the U.S. A really great company that I follow on Socials Origin USA. They just bought a whole apparel plant in North Carolina. Um, they're not really necessarily in our industry, but it's still pretty closely related. They're weaving fabric from cotton made in America and making it to shirts and apparel and stuff. So, you know, other suppliers and companies like that that might be doing that or are seriously looking at that, you know, we're ramping up, you know, manufacturing in America from the good old days where, you know, the shoes and stuff used to be made in Lowell, Massachusetts and Rhode Island and such. All that old knowledge is starting to come back to the U.S., back from overseas. But, you know, is that story being told? And are people ready to do that? And are there people willing to step into those jobs and those knowledge bases? That's a serious question that we have to answer because we can automate technological, you know, whatever, make automatic robots that will transport cargo and such. But at the end of the day, you know, you're going to need hands and you're going to need daylight. And I don't know if there's enough hands at the moment to... To, to make things happen, so that's well, you my. Said uh, it, stick. Javi, you said it right there at the end. I, oddly enough, we're, we're we have been um, doing research on it, and one of the one of the problems that we consistently have with, or that we've had now for a few decades with Made in America, is that pe people say they want it, and I think I and I think you know maybe the term would be morally we all want it, but. Uh, people still get the, the the price gap can still be a little bit too much for a lot of end clients. Number one, and then number number two, the the supply chain infrastructure that you need to bring, like say apparel manufacturing, for instance, instance on mass back to the United States, it just doesn't it exist right now, and it would take a a lot to to kind of get it to where it, to where we could be like self sufficient or or really have, um, you know, a major presence as uh, as an apparel producing nation again. For for instance, I think I want to say that the figure is something like three percent of of clothing in America is actually produced in America, and even with what might be a major ramp up in made in America activity, I don't see it supplanting imports at least not anytime soon. Just because, like. The number one, the massive quantities, and then the supply chain needed to support it just isn't there yet. Well, do I think it's going to increase? Definitely. Do I think we're going to see more of it? Like 100%. Um, 
and I and I think the pandemic, as you very rightly pointed out, Javi, has accelerated that in in a big way. But in terms of it existing at a level where it's like eighty percent of the apparel is produced in in America at like a cost efficient way that people are willing to pay for, I I don't see that happening like in 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 the short term. It is an interesting story though. Will will we see more made in the USA? Yeah, I think you're hundred percent right. We're gonna and that's and it will be I think an option increasingly turned to. Yeah, Javi, thanks for the question. Now, I'm going to ask you a follow-up question um, about something you said earlier uh, about the education. And, you know, the thought leaders really, they understand what's going on. The ones who aren't, you know, they don't have their finger on the, on the pulse of what's going on. How do we fix that? Is there a way that we can fix it? No, there's no, there's no way to fix that necessarily, in my opinion. You're going to have people who are willing to step up to the plate, take, you know, take a bite, you know, invest in themselves or their education. But you're also going to have people who it's not affecting me. I don't need to know about it, whatnot. And then they get caught off guard and they're wondering why they can't get toilet paper. It's, uh, um, it's an unfortunate scenario. And I think, you know, ASI, PPAI and others do a great job. Promo Kitchen do a great job trying to be proactive and educate. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, okay, you can educate yourself. What are you going to do with it? Um, just because the doctor's trained doesn't mean he's a great doctor. You also have to, you know, do a couple procedures. Great analogy. Javi, thanks for the, uh, the, the comment and the question. Um, and I invite anybody who has a comment or question to um, hit your request mic. Um, Chris has a hard stop in, a, in about 10 minutes. Uh, so, Jeremy, welcome to the promo space. Yeah, I don't know if I'm glad to be here because this is just rubbing salt in the wound on my whole week right now, you know. I know we're all dealing with it, you know, going to Chris about the Made in America. I've been following this guy on LinkedIn and uh, they produce in California and he was like showing a picture of you know, all the ships in the harbor and he was talking about like the pollution factor of what's going on. One container ship is supposed to have the same amount of pollution as 50 million cars. And he said the emissions of 15 of those mega ships match those from all the cars in the whole world. So the 72 cargo ships, the amount of pollution that is happening with them just sitting there is a whole nother situation that I think will push that made in America. Cause my clients they're they will pay more right now to get their product than to wait for it. So that is really a good time to have more made in America product because price isn't the issue. It's getting the product is the issue. So I, I like that side of it, but as Chris was saying, there's not enough infrastructure. We're not getting enough supply domestically for that and you know the timeline i have two or three pallets just sitting on one of those cargo ships and you know there's absolutely no way for me to forecast and it's for a retail client and the retailers know that there's this issue but really again it's there's nothing we can do about it and that's the i think the toughest part of we we control the whole supply chain and the one piece, well, not the whole supply chain, the one, the 99%, I guess, the 1%, the shipping part of it, none of us have any control over. 
you know, maybe if it's local and we're couriering it and it's already here is one thing, but even with UPS and FedEx, I mean, they're, they're pushing out my, my freight liners. I had an order from Ohio to Colorado and it took two and a half weeks to do two pallets of merchandise. And it's like that, you know, that's crazy. Like I could have probably hired someone to drive a car or a truck over here. And it's just, it's not getting better because of that shortage. I, I'm doing some heat transfers right now and they've had it for a week and a half. And the day it's supposed to ship, they're like, we're not able to meet your deadline. They tell me a week and a half later and they're like, we had production issues, you know, staff issues. And I'm, I'm already numb to all of this, but expectations is really what I'm looking for, you know, with my suppliers is like, just be upfront, like buy time. Why wouldn't you just push back on me when I'm ordering and tell me it's going to take three weeks and then you ship it in two weeks and we're all happy versus, oh, it's going to ship normal. And then it's pushed back. Someone gets COVID, you know, not enough workers. Now we're all looking stupid. And then I'm angry. The customer's angry. And it's just a vicious cycle right now. And I don't, I don't even have an answer for anything. And other than just, maybe this is the couch for me to, uh, just to lay out all my stresses, you know, psychology or uh, psychiatrist, but you know, that I'm having my best year ever, but I could be doing more if there was just supply, you know, I'm spending a third of my day just trying to find inventory using eight suppliers to fill one order. And it's just, it's bonkers, you know, and it's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse as far as from what I'm seeing, just because, everyone these big firms are they're just going to take up all this inventory and they can't keep up so i don't know where i'm going with that but i to start the pollution thing that is a whole crazy thing that you know isn't even being talked about um you know for the domestic production i'm all about it i i i welcome made in america if they can actually do it efficiently Yeah, Jeremy, you unpacked a lot there, but you know, you know, like like you said, like it, coming here and venting, sometimes that's all you really need after a tough week. Because I think, you know, from everybody that I see on social media, I think we're all going through it. You know, that it's very frustrating, and it's starting to kind of manifest itself in, in a lot of the social media um, content that I see. Of course, most of the the news articles that were that were we're posting have to do with the supply chain, uh, you know, but I, I, I do think back to what Chris had said earlier, like it's going to hasten a, a change in the way business is being done. Uh, manufacturing, hopefully, you know, this is going to, to open up some eyes and hasten what should have been happening years ago, you know, and it, you know, more made in America, uh, you know, less reliance on, you know, importing. So, who knows what, you know, there might be a lot of good that comes out of this eventually, but right now, you know, we're all in this together. I would say, I would say one thing just, um, on the, on the made in America, um, we are seeing, and we, we have a, if anyone wants to check it out, it's on the, on the website, asicentral.com backslash news, um, about how there has been a, a shift away from China. Now, by no means is, is, is the promotional products industry like supplanting, China as like as its main hub for where we get things manufactured. China is still number one, but suppliers have increasingly looked elsewhere. And what you what you what I've seen a real interest in 
is is getting is um sourcing more from within you know like our hemisphere so like looking more to central and south america and caribbean um because it's there's just there's just less of that distance to deal with so that just that's another factor too um that you could come you could see increasingly come into play where people are looking to source one of the problems though with moving supply chains is that you could have a product that's like 90% made with materials, you know, that come from say, just for example, the USA, like you get 90% of the components you need in a particular product, you could source them domestically. And you could call that product made in the USA under, um, under US law, but you need to get some kind of widget or whatever it might be that's made overseas. And you, 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 um, if there's importing delays, you're still not going to be able to produce that end product. Um, so that's 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 what I talk about with some of the complexities of infrastructure um, that come into play with supporting a, like a like an on mass USA manufacturing resurgence. I'm not saying it can't happen, but it's just that's that's one of the issues you're looking at. Sorry, Ben. I just wanted to. Add no, that. no worries. Um, I actually shared your article um, up in up in the nest here. It's called the nest in. Twitter spaces. So right above everyone, um, I shared Chris's article that he was speaking of. So you don't have to go to ASI Central. You can just click on that. Um, Chris, I know you only have a few more minutes. Um, Scott has, has a comment or question. Scott, welcome. Thanks very much. Hey, uh, Chris, that, that's, a, <laughs> that's a great point. I mean, you know, you have uh, uh, auto manufacturers who are ready to produce cars, but they can't get that imported chip. You know, or, or one particular component going into a bigger package. It may only be a small component, but it's a very necessary component. Um, back to what uh, 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 what Jeremy was saying, which dovetailed with what uh, Javier uh, was saying. Um, we all, everyone is looking to take their business, to increase their business any way they can. But I think we have a collective problem managing expectations. And, and, and Javi said that, I mean, he's been, you know, with, with TikToks and what have you, has been uh, trumpeting that, and it seems largely to fall on deaf ears because we have a problem managing expectations, because we have a fear of losing business. Um, what should happen, hopefully, at some point in time, we're going to have a fear of losing face. It's going to, uh, uh, you know, or, or, or losing credibility, which will eclipse or hopefully eclipse our need to get more to try to you know try to satisfy everyone uh one other point that i'd make is that is uh, the technology um is not i mean like websites i think that was mentioned earlier are extremely important and while they are not the solution um certainly to to the uh uh, uh to the situation we're faced with right now um they are, they do, technology represents a valuable uh, communications enhancement, especially in light of uh, uh, diminished workforce or, or, or a smaller workforce trying to do as much as you were doing before, but with fewer resources internally. And I think it's important that people look at technology to maybe not eliminate the friction, but reduce the friction. There is no there is no one silver bullet for this imperfect storm, but there are things that can be done that will make uh, everyone's life a little bit better. And that's and at this point in time, it's it's incremental. 
Absolutely, Scott. Thank you. That's a perfect, you know, end to the discussion. I know Chris has got a hard stop at 150. Um, but I, I just wanted to, you know, thank Chris so much for his time today. He has been so busy. I, every time I'm in a meeting with him, he, I could see he's he's got less hair. Um, so to me, I understand, you know, how important everyone's time is. And I really want to thank everyone for joining us today. Um, you know, this has been a great conversation. Um, you know, we're going to, you know, as long as this is a, is a hot button topic in our industry, and I don't see it going away anytime soon, we're going to continue to have conversations on, you know, on Twitter spaces about the supply chain. Chris will certainly be our resident expert in that. Um, but again, thank you everyone for joining us today. And we do these every Friday at one o'clock. I'm not sure what we're talking about next week. I haven't gotten uh, a topic or a, an expert yet, but we're going to have something next week. Uh, I'll promote it out probably midweek next week. But again, everyone, thank you so much for joining us. Chris, thank you so much for your expertise. And we'll thank see you, you next week. Yeah, thanks everybody for, for listening. Hope it was helpful. And thanks for everybody who shared. I, I learned stuff listening to you. So thank you. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend.